We're in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We've been talking about modesty and, and how we look. Uh, I was told last week, I need not by anyone here, I need to shave this beard off my face. It looks awful. So I've got a scripture for you. <laughs> All right. 1 Chronicles 19 verse 4, Therefore Hanun took David's servants and he shaved them and cut off their garments at the middle. Verse 5, Then some of them went and told David about the men and he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. They got their beard shaved off and it was shameful. And he told them, he says, The king said, Wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. Don't even come back till you got a beard. So it's biblical to have a beard. David had a beard, I know he did, because the Bible talks about spit run down on his beard when he was acting like he was crazy and all of that, so I'm going to tell the people who told me I need to shave my beard and need to read the Bible. Uh, it also covers up ugliness, so some of you need to grow some. All right, we are in 1 Timothy 2. Uh, we talked about the adornment, we talked about modesty. Uh, last week, we... And I know I'm moving at the speed of molasses through First Timothy, but there's so much that we need to deal with. I feel like I don't need to speed through it. I feel like we need to really dig in and, and figure out all of these things. I mean, as a Christian, I, I want to grow all I can, and the more I learn, the more I can grow. So we talked about modesty and adorning themselves in modest apparel, and, and, and you know, mainly he's talking about women, and we said the reason is is men are more visual, so therefore... What women wear is going to affect men more than, you know, if men wear something, not going to affect women as much. But we talked about modesty, and we talked about it in the sense of wearing too little, mostly, last week. And we dealt with the fact that there's all kind of predators out there, and, and, and as Christians, we need to teach our young people, especially our daughters, be careful what they wear, you know. And I wanted to say something last week, and I, different, and I didn't. But as a man, if you've got daughters, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about how you thought at 16, 17, 18 year old. Any of you men, do you remember how you thought when you were that age? You don't want to admit it. Ron's laughing. He don't want to admit it. But you, you thought, and, and you were just, in, us, in essence, you're a raging hormone, right? When you're a 16, 17, 18 year old boy, that's what you are. So you think, and you, as a young man, you're looking at every girl you can look at. You're, you're wanting a girlfriend, you're looking for a wife. And you remember that thought of how you looked at people. And then when you look at your daughter, you don't want your daughter to be strung out there for people to look at, do you? That's not what you want. So as a, as a father of daughters, and again, I told you guys, I know how hard this is. I know how we had to fight with them. I, man, I, you know, we butt heads so much because you want them to be modest and they want to look like everybody else. And it's hard. It's a struggle. But realize you're doing that for their own good. You're doing it for their own good. I always remember that. So now let's shift gears. Let's shift gears on this whole modesty thing and, and let's bring it into primarily what the text is talking about is when you come together in an organized worship setting and he's talking primarily, he's talking about things that, that we should wear to those settings. And he says, ladies, when you come together, and this would certainly apply to everybody, when you come together, dress modestly. Don't go over the top. Don't go too little. Dress modestly. Somewhere in the middle. But when it comes to the idea of modesty, we said in the world, everybody's got a different opinion, right? Everybody believes something different. How short can your shorts be? How short can your dress be? How low can your... We've got all kind of different opinions. 
Well, when it comes to what we should wear here, don't you think it's the same? Don't you think everybody under the sun's got a different opinion? Everybody believes differently. Everybody's got a a different standard that they're going to set as to what they're going to wear uh, to worship. And sometimes even don't those standards change based on where you are? You ever considered that? Maybe where you are in the world, wouldn't those standards change? If I were in India, uh, a lot of times the men there wear a, a lungi, is what it's called. And I've got one at home, it looks like a skirt. In essence, and they'll wrap it around. You don't want to see me wearing a skirt. <laughs> I promise. But there, you'll see a lot of men wearing those. Because that's what they wear. And that's perfectly acceptable, and it looks perfectly fine for those people. Well, in our culture, even in this country, don't things change a little bit from place to place? A little bit from place to place. You know, even in this area, in this area, sometimes I've been to places, and if I came in wearing this right here, I'm going over the top. You ever considered that? I have been asked before in this area to take my tie off. You say, oh, no, they shouldn't ask you. Well, because maybe in that area you've got, you know, just a lot of poor people, and they're very, very country people, and they don't have a lot, and maybe they wear what they got, and I come in and I wear this, and I, I'm, I'm too much. I'm too much. Don't need to do that. So we need to consider those things. Different areas, different cultures, all of those different things. Paul dealt with that in 1 Corinthians. When it comes to, to head coverings, he said, you know, if you're in a culture that, that the women cover their head when they worship, when they pray, all, do that. Do that very thing. He says, but the church doesn't have a custom. Well, we don't have a law set by that. But, you know, the church really doesn't have a law stating what we should wear here, does it? You know, sometimes we appeal back to the Old Testament. And in Exodus chapter 28, God explicitly tells the priesthood, what they should wear, doesn't he? I mean, he goes down to the, he nitpicks every little detail of what the priest should wear. And some people says, well, we are a royal priesthood. Today, we're all priests, and Jesus is the high priest. But the problem with that is nowhere in the Bible does it set a precedence of, here's what you should wear to worship. Nowhere does that. But having said that, I, I want us to think about just a few things. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what you have to wear because I can't set that rule. I don't have a scripture. I can't say turn over to whatever and, and in this verse tells you exactly what. I can't do that. So therefore, I don't want to bind where God is not bound, but I do want to give us a few suggestions. All right? Say your mother was in the funeral home. Your mother, I want you, every one of you to think about that. Your mother is in the funeral home. She's up front. She's here in this casket. People are coming in. What do you want me to wear? Nobody's going to answer, but think about that. What would you want me to wear? Would you be offended if I came in and I looked very, very casual, like I was going to a ball game on Friday night? Would you be offended? Fair question, right? Fair question. What if your daughter is getting married? You invite me to the wedding. Would you be offended if I came in and I looked like I just got up out of bed? Would you be offended? You say, why do you bring all of that up? If we have more respect, if 
we show more respect. We've already showed that our clothing conveys a message. We, we talked about that last week. I think everybody agrees it conveys a message. If we show more respect for people of the world and events of the world than we do for our God, could that be a problem? Possibly. In essence, when we come together to worship, in a sense, are we at a funeral? We gathered around the table. What are we recognizing at the table? A death. The greatest death that ever was. Should I show respect for that? Yeah, should. In essence, we are the bride of Christ. So in essence, again, we're showing respect to the groom. So let me ask you and just give you a piece of advice. Take it if you want to. If you don't, forget I ever said it. you got free will. You can do what you want. Don't wear anything to services you wouldn't wear to a wedding or a funeral. And if you'll do that, life will be a lot easier. You won't have to question so many things. You won't have to argue and bicker. Again, if you show more respect for a worldly function than you do for the God of heaven, there's a heart problem. And that has to be fixed before anything else is going to be fixed. So you've got to decide what that is. Colossians 1.18, in all things Jesus wants the preeminence in our life. He wants us to place Him at the top of everything. He is the most important thing in our life. That's what He wants. So therefore, I should show Him the most respect in my life. Again, think about that. Think about that and, and put that into practice in our lives. Also, when it comes to our dress and services, sometimes we treat people better based upon how they're dressed and therefore clothing again conveys a message james chapter 2 he talks about that very thing doesn't he he says if a man comes into your assembly and he's got fine clothing and he's got ring on he got all these fancy things he says what do we do sometimes we treat him differently we've got to be careful about that you know not every person at willow avenue can afford a suit you ever considered that not every person at willow avenue would be comfortable wearing a suit one of the most godly men I've ever known, his name was Dole Brockett. He was a deacon at Wellette. I mean, just always a good man. He was a man that was full of wisdom, very, very faithful. I never saw that man wear a tie, and I knew him all my life till he passed a few years ago. Never saw him wear one. But did that detract from the fact that he was a very faithful Christian? No. So don't judge each other sometimes based upon what we wear. Because again, we're all going to have a, a maybe a different standard. Maybe I would wear something different to a funeral than you would. But again, go back to that standard. But don't, don't, don't judge each other and be harsh to each other sometimes based upon what we wear. We could all agree there are certain things that would be disrespectful. But rather than that line has not been drawn in the Bible. You won't find it. If you can find it, you can show it to me. But yet, in your heart, in your heart, what you are shows your respect for God. So consider that. And think about all those things when it comes to modesty and what we wear uh, to worship. We're going to move on. As we move on, uh, we're talking about the role of, of women. And when it comes to verse 11 and 12, I don't even know if we'll get into 11 and 12 because I want to talk about something before we get there. When it comes to verse 11 and 12, when the Bible talks about a woman to learn in silence, to not usurp authority over the man, all of those things, that, that produces a lot of controversy 
in today's society, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it produces arguing and bickering and, and belittling and, and uh, people call us all kind of names because we, we uh, apply these biblical passages as they are and, and they're not hard things to understand. Bible's very, very clear. The rest of chapter 2 is very clear. It's not hard to understand. But society is, looks at it differently because society has changed and I want us to understand that. And I want us to talk about it a little bit before we get into it. Do you realize, ladies, and I want you men to listen too, do you realize that women are very important to God? You know, some countries view women in a very degrading way. Do they not? They do. And they, they put women down. And, and even in this country, years and years ago, women were, were held down. But Christianity has never done that. And I hope we realize that. Even today, in, in, in several countries, in, in Muslim countries, how are women viewed? What are, what are people allowed to see on a Muslim woman? Her eyes, right? That's it. Are they allowed to go to school? Are they allowed to do a lot of different things? No. You're not allowed to do that. So they are held in a very demeaning way. Christianity has never done that. And I want you to think about how important women are to God. What about Sarah? How does the Bible describe Sarah, the wife of Abraham? She's a godly woman, right? She's a godly woman. And the Bible holds her in high esteem. What about Deborah? Deborah was a judge. One of those 15 judges. And the Bible holds her in very high esteem. What about Esther? The Bible holds her up. Absolutely, the Bible does. Esther saved the Jewish people. So therefore, in essence, she, sh she saved Jesus. Jesus came through the lineage of the Jews. So Esther was held in high regard. Hannah was the mother of Samuel. And Hannah is praised in the Bible for her faithfulness, her dedication. Ruth. Ruth is a book about devotion. And Ruth's devotion to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she is praised for that very thing. What about the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31? Does God play down the role of the woman there? Absolutely not. God doesn't do that. He praises her. Her worth is far above that of, of rubies. And I want you ladies to understand that. What about Mary? Mary, the mother of Jesus. How is she portrayed in the Bible? We know that, right? But she is held in high regard. And even some religions in the world today, they hold her way up here, right? Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Virgin Mary. What about Mary Magdalene? Did Jesus, how did he feel about her? Did he put her down and say she was worthless and she's not as important as the men? Absolutely not. Who was at the cross uh, the morning of the resurrection before anybody else? It was women, wasn't it? It was those ladies. Those ladies sometimes were more faithful than the men. And isn't that still true today? Today, if you went and did a survey over all the churches and the truth was truly known, there's going to be far more women faithful than there are men. Far more. And even sitting right here this morning, are us men, are we as faithful as our wives? Are we as dedicated as our wives? See, God, God knows that and God appreciates that. Lydia was a seller of purple. She was converted and a good lady, a working lady. Eunice and Lois, how did Timothy, we're studying the book of Timothy, how did Timothy become the man that he was? Was it because of a man in his life? It was because of his mother and his grandmother. And does the Bible praise them for such? Absolutely. What about Dorcas or, or Tabitha? Maybe you, you, was she a good lady? Absolutely she was. What about Phoebe? 
Phoebe was praised by the Apostle Paul and says, if she needs anything, you help her do that. What about the woman with the alabaster box of oil that broke it and, and, and anointed Jesus? What did he say about that? He said, this very thing is going to be taught as a memorial for her throughout all time. You're going to continue to talk about that as long as the world stands because he appreciated that and he recognized that a woman was of great, great value. Do you realize that Christianity is what has changed all of these different societies through the world to respect women? To respect women. Christianity is what has done that. So just because God has placed limitations on, on the sexes, that doesn't belittle you ladies in, in any shape, form, or fashion. Everyone has a role. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, the Bible says that the man, he's the head of the wife, the head of the woman, and Jesus, he's the head of the man, right? And God is the head of Jesus, right? So you've got an umbrella, and the big umbrella at the top is God, and then under that is Jesus, under that is man, under that is woman. Just because Jesus submitted himself to God, does that belittle Jesus? Did that make him any less God? No. And you see, if we would just grasp that and not fight against that, we would understand. You know, in Christ, Galatians 3, verse 27, as many of you as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We know that verse. But in verse 28, it says there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free. We're all what? We're all one. Just because we have different roles does not negate the fact that we're equals in Christ. God does not view you ladies as less than the men. He's never done that. And I hope naming all of those names, and that's just a few, I hope that helps you to understand God has never viewed the woman as less of a servant than He views the man. Never has, never will. And, and neither should we. Roles do not take away equality. Jesus was still God when He was man and on the earth. He's still God today. And just because He placed Himself in submission to God, in no way makes Him less than God. In no way, shape, form, or fashion. But society has convinced us that women should be more independent, right? Those of you that are older, you could really, uh, you can see the difference far more than maybe my generation can. But society has changed, right? And society has changed, and, and society has said if a woman is a housewife or a full-time mom, that's demeaning. Right? That's what society says. And that role is looked down upon. Why would you ever want to do that? And it's pushed down. And a woman can be so much more when we raise up our little girls and we tell them they need to be so much more and, and all of those things. And, and here's the problem with all of that. Society says that, but what happens to the church? Don't we kind of conform to society? Even in the church. Sometimes... If we talk to a, a woman and, well, what do you do? Well, I, I, I'm a homemaker. We kind of, what? What do you mean? Why, why don't you have a job? Why don't you do that? And we just kind of look down upon them. And you can say, no, we don't. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And it's a shame that we do that because God does not do that. God does not do that in any shape, form, or fashion. 
In fact, in verse 15, he's going to go on. We've not got there yet, but he's going to say, you know how a woman's going to be able to go to heaven? She's going to fulfill her role in essence. That's how she's going to be saved, fulfilling her role. Don't rebel on the role that God has given you, male or female. You take the role God has given you and you run with it. Because in essence, who makes the rules? It's not you. And it's sure not me. It's God. And when He makes the rules, well, we may not like them. We may not like them, but we've got to accept them. God has His reasons. God always has His reasons. Even in today's society, men, the role of man has been pushed down. Used to, it was normal for a man to, to want to be manly, right? To want to be manly, but now what has happened because of feminism? The role of men has been pushed down. And now, men, you, you don't need to be manly anymore. You don't need to be a leader. You don't need to step up and take charge. You, you, you've got to be more feminine. You've got to get in touch with your feminine side. And you know one of the problems? We don't have enough men anymore. Men won't step up and be men because men have been pushed down. Now, is that a problem too? Yeah, that's a whole lot of what all these problems in society. Fathers won't be fathers because, again, they have been pressed down and, and, and have been made to think that that's not how it should be anymore. Brethren, you realize if we would just go back to what the Bible says, things would be far different. Don't you think God knows more than us? Church, the society may think what they want. They may say what they want. They may try to convince you of what they want. But ultimately, God gets the final say. And we either accept what He says and do it, or we're going to suffer the consequences. I don't want to suffer the consequences. Man has a role in this world. Woman has a role in this world. When it comes to, am I standing up here saying a woman can't have a job? Absolutely not. Whatsoever. Lydia, we just talked about her. She was a woman, and, you know, she was a seller of purple. She did a lot of good things. She made money for her family. The virtuous woman, Proverbs 31, she burned the midnight oil, the Bible said. She helped to provide for her family. She did so many things. There's nothing wrong with that. You realize, I believe this. I wrote it down here, but I believe this. Women are equal to men in intelligence. Would we agree with that? Well, a lot of you are way superior to me in intelligence. I'm not saying that you're not. Men are, or women are equal to men in talents. Don't you women have a lot of talents? Absolutely they do. Values, in fact, maybe women are superior to men in values a lot of times, right? And, uh, but we're not saying that there's different rights. Yeah. Should, should women, you know, in today's society, women should make the same money as men. I don't have a problem with that. If you can do the same job, well, yeah, absolutely you should make the same money. But don't you realize God has made men and women different? God has made men and women different. And it's time we respect that. 1 Peter 3, 7 says women are the weaker vessel. Women want to do everything a man wants to do, but yet God has made you different. My job that I do every day is a very physically demanding job. And there's not a handful of women that's going to be able to do that in the world. Why? Because God has made some of us big, burly, ugly men. We're capable of doing those things. And God didn't make... I don't want a big, burly, ugly woman. <laughs> I never have. It's never crossed my mind. You see, God, God knew what He was doing. And God says, you take that role where you're at and you run with it. Run with it. You be who you are and don't let society 
affect your religion. Don't ever let society affect your religion. And in so many ways it has, church. And it's time we, we stop that. It's time we, we take our girls and we teach them exactly what... I'm, I'm not even going to get into it this week. Our time's gone. But it's time we take them and we teach them about God's roles. About God's roles in the church. Women have fussed and fought and tried to change everything, and now we have women preachers in the church, we have women song leaders in the church. Why? Because society, right? That's the only reason. Society says they should be able to do all those things, but God says different. Who wins? God. So let's teach our girls that. Let's raise them up and teach them, you know what? If you want to aspire to be something great and have this great job in life, that's fine, but we need to teach them it's a good thing to be a mama good thing to take care of your house in fact that's what god expects of you first and foremost and anything else comes secondarily if it doesn't come secondarily you know what according to verse 15 of this chapter you're in trouble if your financial role and all of those things climbing the corporate ladder has become more important than your role as a wife and a mother you're in trouble you're in trouble and if we teach our daughters that they're in trouble and they're going to continue to teach the same thing. We've got to break the cycle. We've got to break the cycle. We've got to do this differently. I'm out of time. I appreciate your attention. We'll just start with verse 11 next week.